Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com. And I said it last week, but we are here. Uh, we had a ton of football this past weekend, including a doubleheader last night. We have every team in the NFL that has played uh, over the past few days. And uh, I'll tell you, Katie, uh, it was a long night on Sunday. Um, I, I, have to, I also have to say that I had a three-hour internet outage. Um, while I was watching games, it was midnight. It was a long day already. And I ended up starting to watch it on my phone. I didn't, and at 3 a.m., it was like, well, I finished the film notes and I need to, I need internet to upload this. Like, you can't do everything on your phone. You can do a lot of stuff. But so I was on tech support for 35 minutes at three in the morning. And apparently during the call, uh, the internet for 600 plus people came back. And it was out. It wasn't my fault. I was like unplugging it, restarting it, doing all this stuff. But still by, you know, I can't just take two hours off or otherwise I'll be up. So I was up till 5.50 in the morning is when I went to bed. Um, so that film notes, like week one is so easy to get over your skis. It was an hour 40. So if anyone's thinking of signing up for, for UTH with a membership, again, I mean, to me, the most high impact thing of content I put out at UTH every given week in the regular season is you wake up and again, so it was later than usual. It was, it was 5 a.m., 5.30, whatever it was, that the the film notes comes out and you can just listen. Over, I mean, let, watching a half of football uh, you know, live, you're going to get my breakdown, key things from the film, and key dynasty takeaways for every single game that went on on Sunday. So that to me is the biggest time saver. It's all about we try to save you time, and to me that's the biggest one I can prob- I can offer, and it's because I go insomniatic and, and stay up all night. And I second that. I think it's one of the best things out there, and I appreciate all that you do to get it to make it happen. Thanks, and I have to say one time that you know for anyone, I'll say the quickest I've ever gotten the UTH film notes out is like two something a.m. So anyone, I and I guess maybe if you if you start watching it early, you record some of the one o'clock games. But I'm starting at five, five, five fifteen or something. So I don't know how. If any show comes out at a normal human hour on Sunday night, I'll just say this: either they have figured out some box that has secret tips in it on how to watch games, or they're doing a recap where they didn't actually watch all the games. That's all I will say. Um, and to me. When they say we're gonna break down every game and all this stuff and you know and go beyond the box score, on some level you're doing the box score. Maybe it's only seven, six of the games, seven of the games. But my point is, like, it, it, just be careful of how much you assume that they've watched all the games. Is one thing I would say. I don't know because really Sunday at two, three, four in the morning is the earliest if you've watched them all. Um, so let's get to it. Speaking of watching them all, um, Katie, we. Uh, we've got so much here and you know we can probably again we have running back roundup full throttle this week we're gonna go through all 32 teams with Jordan um, so we're gonna hit that we still 
Again, running back is the position that pays, as well as plenty of other news that's actually been coming out today. So we have some of that. Let's start with Michael Thomas, because this is one that, I mean, talk about, uh, you know, he, he put up a dud performance. He was in lineups. And he was held in check, and then it was like, oh, you know, relatively minor. Well, a lot of times the relatively minor, one, two days later, you find out it's not so minor. Um, and and with Michael Thomas, he's going to be out a few weeks. Two? Five? I mean, ambiguous. We saw some high ankle injuries, and those are very tricky. I don't know about you, Katie. I remember years ago, high ankles used to be like four to six. Yeah. And maybe that's what it's going to be, but like – if anyone's assuming less than that, like I always like to, you know, you know, we have IR scheduled to return. Like there's a number of different methods to gauging how long a player will be out. But, uh, but a few weeks to me, I, I think I've had conversations with Mrs. UTH or other people before. It's like, well, you know, a couple is two, a few is three or more. Three, and then three. several so is a, a, more. So, so a few is actually three. Yes. No, no other number is three. three. So sh- couldn't they put them on the IR? Because that's three. Yeah, I mean, if they if they okay. deem that, uh, but with, he's not coming back in two. Right. right. If they if they, but he's right. the kind of guy where he's gonna say, "I want to play," and on a I gotcha. on a stud, where if he can come back in two weeks, right. you're gonna want him to come back in two weeks, and you don't want to miss even that one extra week. So they may I not do, put him I, on IR for those reasons. Yeah. One thing. One thing I thought of when this came out earlier today was well I have a I have I have two three shares across all my leagues of Traquan Smith and he was firmly on the cut line I you got to keep him now got you know to. like unless unless you've got a, an auto pickup because Drew Brees anointed him he said you know a breakout's coming for Traquan Smith color me skeptical I mean I like him as a prospect but he's running out of time uh, so we'll see about Man- Emmanuel Sanders getting an uptick here. Jared Cook, you already Jared felt good Cook, about yeah. him. You feel even better. Kamara. You figure Kamara get. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot of targets. Uh, so I don't know if there's just you know it's a kind of a rising tide. I'm not I'm not sure you know one wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders or something is going to suddenly be projected as a top ten to twelve guy. Uh, that's high, you know, high praise to get into uh, for a, a weekly projection. And frankly, Drew Brees, like it was a good defense with Tampa, but that was a pinnacle matchup and. He felt a little rusty. It felt like the arm strength has lost a little bit. Uh, wh- what was your gauge of, of that, that big-time matchup? And if you want to bring in you know, Brady and the Bucks as well. Okay. Uh, no, I think that both he and Tom Brady looked off. And I think a lot of that is, even with veterans, the preseason with Tom Brady changing teams, you know, changing personnel and everything, I'm sure that added to it, but he did not look good at at times. It was like and then start him in New Orleans instead of like I mean, there's there's some fluff matchups that really could have helped them, and they certainly got none of that in Week One. Right, and then as far as Drew Brees, he had moments where he didn't look all that great. Coming up, they've got the Raiders on Monday night, and then the Packers on the following well. Sunday, and then the Lions. So there. You know, Michael Thomas is going to be missing some big games, the Raiders game and the Packers game. Uh, Raiders don't have a good defense. Like, they, I, I mean, yes, things change, and it's one-week sample size. Yeah. But, you know, them, Carolina, a few other teams, I, I'm pretty confident of saying that they're going to be bottom half, you know, and, and something to exploit. So it is it is really a get-well game, uh, you know, this week is what I would point out for the, for the Saints. I, I was going to throw in another one, Katie. Ben Roethlisberger looked like – 
the arm trajectory, like the motion looked a little different than yeah. yes, he basically missed last year, but he was like shot putting it a little bit. I have a little more pause, you know, where I have him on. I mean, yes, he's older. Yes, he's on a one year, tra- you know, a one year window basically at that age. But like, eh, like, I mean, he's got great weapons, so I'm not going to discount any part of the situation, but it just seemed like that big arm has definitely taken a step back. Yeah, players that are on the older side and coming back from an injury especially are going to be, whether they mentally believe it or not, they're going to be hesitant. They're not going to be in the grand flow and scheme of things as until they, they need to regain confidence in themselves, in their team, everything else. So he didn't look great. Is some of that rust, is some of that from the injury and just everything that goes along with that I think so time will tell and as you mentioned because of all the weapons that he has around him he's still worth starting over you know a lot of the other guys and other options that you may have yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you know Eric Ebron had a quiet game you know I think he's one that it's gonna come around on him yeah Oh, did he? Yeah. That, but you know, the touchdown upside there. Now, Chase Claypool could maybe be someone that gets inside the ten-yard line targets, uh, but his his snap count was low. So there, it's going to take him a little bit of time. It's he's not going to double his snaps this coming week because they're pretty loaded at wide receiver. Deontay Johnson didn't have a good game. I was going to ask you about James Washington, who had a a, a decent check the box fantasy day, but yet his snaps were were, were really low. And he's got less, you know, sort of allegiance, and they're going to probably try to get Chase Claypool involved. How do you feel about James, uh, James Washington, in terms of, you know, is there a depth? You know, if you're going below 25, I mean, is he someone you could see maybe not finishing the season on your team? Yeah, I would say 23 and under for sure. 25 and under possibly. We're getting very close to that. Uh, yeah. You know, especially it depends on if you have players that you can shift to IR and save him versus right. if you've got to make hard decisions on who else to pick up. And got a few this week. And oh, yeah. That's actually, yeah. I always like to say it's not bad news because uh, otherwise you're going to be making some tough decisions or maybe opting out of the waiver wire. And these first few weeks where you're jostling, you're trying to accumulate as many shares of the guys that you feel the best about. And frankly, you can, if you get it right, you know, or you really like the player and you're like, I'm in this for the longer haul, meaning a few months, that you're getting the whole season. Like if you're getting a backup running back and saying, I'm in this, I want to see if there's an injury, then, you know, as opposed to four or five weeks from now. So Blake Jarwin going on IR, you know, or um, who else was the one? You know, Marlon Mack, I'm still waiting David on the NFL. I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, David Joku was a, was a good one. Uh, Damian Harris still has a couple weeks um, of, of IR eligibility um, based on him being put on there. So I just, those aren't bad. You know, because you're creating free spots and you're kicking the can and make the decision later, which is a good thing. And especially with the no preseason, and you've got, I mean, right. the first we week, were taking leaps of faith. Yeah, yeah. We, we we need to see something. And and honestly, we would have made better bets. Like for example, if if Malcolm Brown is out there in any, any league, if he was going to run as the starter, and I know you know people were kind of half in and half out on that if that's going to happen, but if he was always the first running back out in the preseason and played two three series in week three. If he wasn't universally owned then, he would have been after. You know, like, so that's one difference where people are going to be bidding up in shallow leagues on him because, you know, it just there wasn't enough tea leaves or at least tea leaves that people were buying previous to this. Right. And a guy like Malcolm Brown did this before. 
He did this even when Todd Gurley was there. I think it Last was week year, one. Last year, week one. Yeah, I believe it was Two week one. Two touchdowns, 50-something yards, yeah, I Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden just totally disappeared. So I don't see him totally disappearing this quickly right. because I don't think Cam Akers is ready for that lead role yet. He looked, But he had a big edge in snaps that you would think is going to dwindle relatively quickly. Yeah. Uh, Akers, as much as I love him, he's always had the problem of just running into the backs of his offensive linemen. He doesn't have the greatest vision compared to some of the other top rookie running backs coming out. And I didn't voice the concern about him all that much in the offseason, and we didn't really get to see him that much in the offseason, but that has been one of my concerns about his game for quite a while. And I, man, I hope he gets that corrected, and I don't know if that's anything that's easily corrected other than just well, why are lots of reps the, and, and get him yeah. out in space and get him to where he feels comfortable and more confident. But certainly not being able to get into a flow of things because Malcolm Brown just destroyed. I mean, he looked really, really good. He pl- Arguably, this might have been, and this is not hyperbole. I love the guy. I've, I've tracked and absorbed all of his playing time closely over the years. But he's going to be one of those pros, right? I mean, he has been in the NFL for a while. He was a big-time recruit. Texas didn't work out well. But he's been in the NFL for a stretch here. I think that was his best NFL game. I think so, too. And I don't think that's hyperbole and recency bias and all this kind of stuff. I mean, he looked as good as you can look. Now, what's going to be interesting is, you know, does he does he come back to earth a little bit? He's not been one that's stayed overly healthy with an expanded NFL role at times. So there's a lot of leverage here. And that's why people that are – what I would say is this. Don't be super – I've had some questions on this today. You know, I'm like sure. how much would you would you bid on him? And it's like, well – all right, so you've got you know two day two picks there, and you can say Daryl Williams, Daryl Henderson is really far behind, and you know not really a part of this conversation. But the point is, there's pedigree there. Cam Akers is going to have a lot of chances and quickly to be the one A or right there in fifty fifty, and just different than it was this week. And I just so you're bidding on the guy aggressively is what it's going to take, I would imagine. But you're going to do that, and. How are you starting him now? Like, are you starting him in this next week? And maybe, you know, like, what do you actually see? Because if you're not going to flip him and he's going to turn into, say, an injury away guy, big picture this year. Right. I wouldn't be, I mean, there's going to be injury away guys that you can get for a buck this week. So that's the part to me where you're getting over your skis. And again, I like him, but you have to think, you know, if, if I'm not starting him this week or in the future, then. You've got to treat him as such, in my opinion, because you can't just get him for 70% of your waiver budget and then in the three days following trade him for a second-round rookie pick. That probably isn't going to happen. He's going to have to do it strongly again, and sometimes it takes one or two weeks beyond when they were on the waiver wire to actually get that done. Right. I think, for the most part, it's going to be hard to flip him even if he does have another another good week Um, you may end up with a league mate that feels frantic after week three and feels like they have to make that if he's still seeing good snaps right you know but you have to make it till then healthy cam Akers not overtaking him in some capacity but that really peeved me off and we kind of said this about todd Gurley in previous iterations of this offense was where's the screen passes where's getting Gurley in space yep because Gurley was kind of, you know, the, hey, here's where the gap is, run it to the gap. And he, 
he has good burst, etc. So you know he he produced through through that prism, but yet with Cam Akers, come on, I mean he's got juice too, uh, not quite the full straight line speed in my opinion of Todd Gurley at his peak, but um, I mean you got to get him in the screen game, you yeah. got to get him as a a, a receiver. You know, a circle route, a, a wheel route. You need to have three or four of these in the package because that's not really Malcolm Brown's game. If anything, Malcolm Brown, let him do a little more of the dirty work. Tosses, things of the perimeter, uh, screen game, receiving game. All that is, is what I would be focusing on with Cam Akers. Let and, him show his athleticism. Yeah. Let him and, and use... Maybe, like you said, and maybe this is going to be, and this is why I think someone had a great tweet where it showed a lot of the notable running backs and what they did their first their first game, you know, week one, week one debut rookie season. And it's a lot of tepid stuff. Everybody pretty much. Yeah. And so I think we have to keep that in mind that, you know, having some giant 120 plus yard game or whatever you're expecting, it's not, this is not a binary win loss for your pick or your eval on a player or your investment right now. Cause Malcolm Brown, he got four targets. Cam Akers got one. I mean, I would think by mid season that flip flops. You know, in some capacity. And again, Akers, I think the promising thing is 15 touches. Week one, 15 touches. And you could say right now, Daryl Henderson, no threat. I mean, that's, that's you know, look at the positives here. And like you said, I mean, let's get him some clarified looks and, and schemes and, and packages there. Because um, Malcolm Brown, he was even running a little bit more off tackle than Akers. And maybe that's just a comfort factor. Maybe, you know, with a 21-year rookie, let's, you know, really tell him, hey, hit this hole, you know, Let's not have you going rogue and, uh, you know, doing all these improv- improvisational things at the line of scrimmage. We see plenty of running backs do that go off script. So that could be a part of it, too, is just to put one final point there. Yeah. And guys that were overreacting. I mean, it's so easy to overreact and underreact in, in week one. But yeah. I was so sick and tired. Game, exactly. Right. I was so sick and tired after Thursday night of, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is now my number one running back in, of all running backs. It's like, really, right. really. Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara. And then after Sunday when they all did their thing, um, except for Saquon, uh, but, man, do they have offensive line, big problems, big problems. But, you know, to say that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, is better and crown him, he was the RB11 this week. RB11. <laughs> so, uh, and... Wow, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it, it ended up, that's where he ended up with fantasy score. And, sure, they didn't use him in the pass game, and he is a great pass catcher. I like him. And I think he's going to be a great running back for Kansas City, and I think he's going to be a great fantasy asset. But at the end of the day, when everything is all said and done, he's not better than Zeke. He's not better than Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to hang with the guys like that. Well, the thing that gets me also, and and again, could this be, this absolutely could be one of my weaknesses, one of my faults, is that I fervently do not overrate situation. And you could say the Chiefs are the exception. You can say, "Hey, Patrick Mahomes is signed up. We're gonna get Mah- we're gonna get Edwards Alaire there for at least his entire rookie contract. He got a fifth year option. He's gonna be there in in quote unquote in, in logistical terms, quote unquote forever. And you know, and what's gonna change? They're always gonna be great. Um, you know, and it's a great situation. But if I think he's just an okay player, I just uh, again last year, sure, I'm fine taking him one on one. So I just I, this could be a blind spot. I don't like knee jerk. And if he was my 106 or seven or eight or whatever it was pre NFL draft, 
I can't sit there in 101 and 102 take him. Right. Post draft. Because you're reacting, in my opinion, to situation. Yes, he went in the first round. It was the last pick in the first round. It wasn't like he went 32 picks ahead of a lot of those other running backs. And if I think he's an inferior player, and again, this could be a fault. I mean, obviously, right now, you could trade him for, you know, if you like Cam Akers more or J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift. I mean, the plus you could get on top of Edwards Alaire. I'm sorry, for one of those players in return for Edwards Alaire is pronounced. And it's probably more than you could have had, you know, even drafting two, three weeks ago and you take Edwards Alaire at 101 and one of those other backs was, you know, later in the top five or six. So I, I just, so that's the problem for me. And again, sometimes it can hurt you. I mean, Alvin Kamara was a guy, I love the situational landing spot, but I also really liked him as a player going into the draft. So that only helped. And Edwards his Hilaire, price tag was 201. He wasn't ever in the first right, card. Or, like, or at most 107, 108. Yes, right. exactly. And that's a huge difference. Exactly. And it was a good class. This was a really good class. And what I find interesting, though, is you know some, some of these other running backs, the, these top running backs, and we, if we lump them all together, Katie, I mean, look at what happened week one. We have... We have Jonathan Taylor where, oh, he's blocked. Yet, a lot of people started him last week with a healthy Marlon Mack, and Marlon Mack is out for the year. I mean, that is something you can't project. You can't project yeah. that back in May right. you know, or back in April or when you're evaluating these players. And yet, he now, he was startable last week, and he only had a fraction. And that was with Naheem Hines you know, having a huge game yep. and a huge passing game role. And yet, Taylor was still fantasy relevant, lineup relevant for you week one of his rookie year. Let's look at J.K. Dobbins. I think if you're Mark Ingram owners, you got to be scared in your boots, right? I mean, Dobbins got the goal line work. Dobbins looked more explosive. And Ingram, for parts of that game, was like, go sit over there. So look at what Dobbins did. And then look at Cam Akers, 15 touches week one. Look at DeAndre Swift. I think he was, I think he had the most snaps. I, I, I wrote up the snap article uh, at UTH, but I believe he had the most snaps of a, and, and that was with Adrian Peterson you know, having a huge role. So uh, obviously he, he, you know, didn't catch the game winner there. And that's going to be one, you know, that, that, you know, he's a great receiver. So mm -hmm. there's nothing to glean from that. But I but cried. Look, the, I the, really did. I, I, shed it. I was the so big. Sick. Well, that's totally Lions, though. I mean, yeah. I, I thought back to Doug Veach where it's like they 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 let the they let the, the Bears come all the way back. And then you have that moment to come back themselves and win the game uh, at the gun there. But but look at the big five. They all you could say there's a lot of positivity right away. Week one which I thought was a big feather in the cap which of, of, of what I think is going to be a really great class when we look back a couple of years from now. Yeah. Um, did any, any of the big five, you talked about Edwards Hilaire, but Jonathan Taylor, otherwise, um, do you have some any, any thoughts there? No, I, I, thought, I thought Jonathan Taylor, when he finally started to get some carries, I, w I was just like, come on, get him Explosive, in the game. Right? And yeah, down at the I love goal how he line. caught so many passes, and people said he couldn't catch passes. Yeah, and down at the goal line, they were feeding Naheem Hines, and I was just... You know, what are we doing here? Yeah. yeah, it was just driving me crazy. But uh, I was pleasantly targets, surprised though. at how much DeAndre Six Swift. Targets. Yeah, uh, very Sorry, pleasantly surprised at how much DeAndre Swift was targeted, especially uh, after missing a lot of the preseason with injury and uh, the hamstring. So he looked really good to me. I, I the lion the Lions have needed this since what the one year Theo Riddick was active and healthy. Yeah. I mean, they really haven't had that pass-catching help Matt Stafford out on the check-down game running back in a while. And, and they have that with Swift. I honestly think, you know, Peterson, he got – I mean, they had a ton of targets. They had eight targets between those two running backs. 
I got to ask this, and this kind of hurts my soul. How sticky are you with Kerryon Johnson? I told you last week. He's dead to me. You no, forgot. No, no, but you, okay. No, okay. Okay. <laughs> Here's a DM. I am just a random Twitter Katie follower. Katie, it's a 24-man roster, and I don't like what I saw from Kerryon Johnson. If I shop before I drop, what should I look to get? And then ultimately, if I think there's a waiver move to be made, should I be making it, making it and moving on from Kerryon Johnson? I don't know what you're going to get in trade. I don't even know right. what to ask for. I, right. I I don't even know what to ask for, to be honest, because I don't think many people will be buying him right now. And I, I also would hate to drop him, but I also, after holding TJ Yeldon for the longest time, I finally dropped him yeah. sometime mid-summer. And, and, you know, there's times where you've got to cut your losses. And if it's a shallow league and there's a better option on the waiver wire and you've tried to shop him for anything before, before Sunday, there were a few offers that I'm seeing consistently at four seconds. Not sure it's there anymore. Right. So that's the thing. So are you shifting down to a third? I mean, yes, you're clearing the spot, but this is the week. And in future weeks, I mean, there's going to be running backs that are available that are, you are confident that they are an injury away. And I play this out in my head, Katie, and I say, if Adrian Peterson gets hurt next week, are you are you all in on Kerryon Johnson? No. And I think the answer is no. Right. If DeAndre Swift gets hurt this coming week, are you all in on Kerryon Johnson? And I think the answer there is no, too. Right. So that means he's two injuries away. Right. And you can like him, but again, TJ Yeldon is two injuries away. The only difference was I think Yeldon was inactive in week one and Kerryon Johnson was active. That would be one notable difference between those two players, I guess. But you would figure if Moss, you know, is out of the picture, then Yeldon would be activated and we're kind of at the same spot. Right. Yeah. It's a bad situation. I mean, Kieran Johnson, it was like he had Tevin Coleman syndrome. It seemed like he got the first three snaps or carries or whatever of each half and then you didn't see him again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how ceremonial is this? I mean, geez. Um, I, I, gotta think, ask you about- I think it's Go time. <laughs> People are going to groan. I think it's time that we carry on without him. <laughs> there it is. Exactly. Just like the wayward son. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, what were your thoughts uh, of the new look? Uh, new look Patriots offense, Cam Newton. Uh, they only threw 19 passes. They had four running backs in and out, including J.J. Taylor, which was even on a lot of deep waiver wires. Um, and this is without Damian Harris. What's your kind of sense through one game here? I think that they're working Cam in slowly. They're not expecting a lot from him uh, passing-wise. They're not calling a lot of plays. But I think that will ramp up the more he learns the offense and his his players around him. He looked phenomenal as a runner. He looked comfortable out there. He didn't look out of place or rusty. Um, looked healthy. He looked healthy and he looked happy and he had a good time. And well, winning, winning is nice too. Yeah, winning is nice also. <laughs> yes. Um, having a great, having a great defense. And you know what? With Miami, they it was a it was it felt like a matchup that it almost got away from them a little bit. There was that moment in the second half, but in general, it was a game that they could control. You know, and that they, they it was almost like a. Uh, I'm thinking of like an SEC school that plays, you know, Alabama State. 
you know, and and you can kind of get that rep early in the season, and Miami kind of provided that week. But one. you say that, but Miami has given the Patriots I fits know. for years. So, but they played defense, they ran the ball, and and like you said, they didn't need to do a whole lot beyond those two things. Right, and the other thing which is, was good. look at all the guys that held out on the defense. This is a this is a defense that lost some really key players, opting out for the COVID, and. Uh, Right. So they don't have Hightower. They don't have, you know, I can't even think of the other names right now off the top of my head. But they lost a lot of guys. There were so many question marks. It, people were thinking that Miami would easily beat the Patriots. And I'm just happy to see that they look solid. They, You know, they're going to have struggles against the Baltimores and the Kansas Cities and Titans and, you know, some of the premier AFC teams, and I don't think that they're still a premier AFC team, not right now, but I do trust in Belichick, and I think that as the season builds, they'll give Cam more and more reins. Uh, Nikhil Harry looked decent, and uh, I think the running game will just get better and better in general, and the more that Cam is a threat to run, that opens up a lot of other things too. And I'll be be tracking, because Julian Edelman's kind of at this point where you say, you know, is the upside going to be there anymore? If if all of a sudden the volume drops a little bit of this offense, a couple less accurate balls here or there, you know, running those option routes over the middle of the field we've seen for a number of years. I wonder, you know, if, if maybe going into week one, you thought, oh, Edelman, auto start player for me, you know, for basically the foreseeable future. If now it maybe becomes a, you know, week to week proposition on if he's going to be in and out of your lineup because Nikhil Hare is going to get opportunities. And if they run the ball, if their DNA is going to shift to being a run team, including 8, 10, 12 carries for Cam Newton, then uh, I, I think that volume we're used to for Edelman could be squeezed just enough to make those lineup dis- decisions different or more difficult. That's possible. I think Cam has decent chem- chemistry uh, with Jules so far, and I think that can build. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I, okay. I, the only um, thing that I know about the Patriots is it's not going to be the same next week. Right. Um, so what was your overthought of the, of the Buccaneers that, you know, so Tom Brady, we know, you know, this changed everything. The first time it really changed everything for the first time in decades. And, you know, we had Mike Evans out there playing. I would say he looked better than I was expecting the whole time. I was like, Please don't reaggravate. Please don't reaggravate. Yeah, me too. Part of it, part of it felt like he was sucking up Marshawn Lattimore, you know, for the sake of the team running routes out there. Um, and he finally got that late touchdown. If you did start him, but with the Bucks, it just kind of felt like they're they're gonna. It's gonna take them maybe another couple weeks, you know, to really kind of figure out. They've got a lot of personalities. They've got a lot of talent across the board on offense. And you know, if they really spread it, you know, the upside of any singular player. Outside of Brady, let's say if the if the passing game is cooking, may take a drop down this year just because of so many mouths to feed and so many weapons. Yeah, it. Uh, even though Tom left New England, I'm cheering for him, and I, I'm cheering for Tampa Bay. I think they've got a lot of weapons. Um, Arians came out today and said that he was very mad at himself for the usage of the way that uh, Mike Evans wasn't targeted. And I, so I think that he will make whatever adjustments, hopefully, sooner rather than later. And that it was more from a play-calling standpoint than it was that he wasn't healthy or that he was only being used as a decoy. So it sounds to me like the coach is just wishing that he could have had that one back. 
and Tom Brady had some times where he just looked awful. I mean, just did like completely throwing passes. It's like, who was even close? And maybe it was because he expected the guy to break a different way, or maybe he's just not on the same page with some of those guys yet. Maybe it's the humidity and the ball slipping from his hand. Maybe it's just, I don't know. But there were times where he looked human. Uh, and he hasn't looked human in a long time. Um, so one one thing I noticed uh, for the Buccaneers, and I'll be interested to you know if this could be something we you know we see in a few weeks as sort of confirmation to a, a post week one take is to me Rob Gronkowski looked a, looked you know like he looked let's ding him down you know is at ten percent twelve percent fifteen percent from peak Gronkowski. Or maybe even you know a, a tick down from what we last saw, which was already an erosion of a once dominant at his peak player um, that kind of transformed the position in some ways. And I saw him blocking a lot. Uh, O.J. Howard was involved, more involved. Um, do you think Gronkowski, you know, in redraft, I remember people were taking him in the top eight or top ten of the position. That was too I, high. More, that was too I'm high. Just, I'm just skeptical that with so much receiver talent, he likes Scott Miller, who's going to be in the mix yep. now. And then you've got O.J. Howard, who has flashed. I mean, at this point, I mean, Howard moves easily better than Rob Gronkowski. And if they have any sort of concerns about pass blocking, etc., you start stealing a few routes here and there as Gronkowski stays in as a sixth tackle, sixth offensive lineman, that I just think that that's enough to make him a... He's not guaranteed in your lineup. He's a boom bust tight end too. Now maybe in whatever uh, whatever you know committee you have, Gronkowski is a start sometimes for you, depending on what else you find um, over the course of time or developments the rest of your players. But um, to me, that is one notable thing from week one that if it turns around completely and all of a sudden he's a weekly guy a month from now, I'd be a little surprised. I would be a little surprised also. I've had very uh, tempered expectations for Gronk. Um, I did blow my off-season waiver wire bucks on in a tight end premium on him, but I knew that I was going to get my bucks replenished at the beginning of the season, so I wasn't that worried about it. Um, in in start two tight end with one and a half point PPR, you're just betting on you know maybe a two to three week window where you can capitalize on having him on your team and. Other than that, like I didn't start him anywhere except for I think I started him in one spot and it was because I had rookies with big question marks and it was off a startup where tight end it wasn't tight end premium and it it really doesn't matter a ton at this point. But I think people that were drafting him in redraft at that point, they were just overdrafting him and too high of expectations based on name cachet alone and just, you know, being reunited with Tom Brady. It just doesn't happen overnight. It's not just a like switch. You just can't turn it on and turn it off. And to me, he looks better than he did a year and a half ago, whenever was the last time that we saw him in uniform. He does look more rejuvenated, but I still don't think that he's going to be that dominating Gronk that we knew and loved. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a rapid fire. Yeah, uh, sure. This last point is uh, we have some running back injuries. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will be out a few weeks. Yeah. What are your thoughts on what's left with the Jets? I, I don't really want to own a Jet running back, period. It's pretty stinky. Yeah, it's it's just they're going to be in offense. negative game script all the time. Right. So, 
Yep. Yeah, it's just not a good situation. Least, I wouldn't. At I least deeper, at least Josh. Money. At least Josh Adams caught a few balls, yeah. and that's the one thing you would say. You know, if there's a guy that if there is probably not going to be Gore, that if he catches four, five, six balls, that can make you deeper league relevant, because um, you do want the guy catching passes. Right. Um, James Conner uh, leaves with a, an ankle yeah. on Mon- on uh, Monday night. And you got to see Benny Snell. Um, it was, I want to say, the only the second or third time he actually got some extended he run. He looked good. Yeah, he looked, yeah, looked pretty good. Um, Connor, you know, the expectation is, you know, optimistic to come back. But, hey, we're less than 24 hours from the injury occurring. So, like Michael Thomas, I mean, things can change by Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, Connor was, was not getting any holes the offensive line when he no, was in. And he got he better just, blocking for, for Snell. Right. And, you know... A running back like James Conner is, you know, you just got to get in the game and, and get those carries and, and start the working thing, on softening up that yeah. that defensive line and, and finding and picking your spots. And I think that if he were to stay healthy as the game progressed, he would have started to pick it up and, and start to show who he is. But he didn't get that opportunity. And when Benny Snell was in there, they were blocking better. He was making the best of what he had and he had some very good runs the one thing i would say about snell is they were pulling him for jalen samuels in passing situations mm-hmm. a lot yep and so this could have a very touchdown or nothing sort of upside if he if he does get some starts here and connor is out that would be one limitation um that i think you're going to see more than james connor and that differential difference in in utilize utilization in the passing game would be the thing that you know that he, it might be you know he has he has 98 yards but he only has one catch and so it's touchdown or bust and then you're going to kind of shoulder shrug if that was a good game or not for you uh, the other one would be Philip Lindsay turf toe and this is another one that not a doctor but turf toe usually is more serious for especially you know wide receiver running back etc then you know oh he might miss one game or he might be back next week um to me this is really good news for for royce freeman who we we kept saying is he going to get traded man he's got to go somewhere and now one of the dominoes in front of him is out you know is potentially out of the picture for a stretch uh, after week one yeah uh i do think that it's an injury that could linger I, i still think that melvin gordon will get the lion's share of the oh yeah the work um so unless they start to pepper freeman with targets as you mentioned with the ppr then what really is the upside well the upside would be if if Lindsay's out for six weeks you have a six-week window where one injury and we're cooking with gas yeah that would really be the upside you're not going to flex them right now right right because it's not going to because it was Lindsay and and uh and gordon were close to 50 50 you know or ish um, I th- actually think Lindsay, when he was in there, had more snaps uh, when it was just the two of them kind of splitting it. So this is this is notably good news for Melvin Gordon because uh, the split won't be 50-50. Um, all right, uh, final thoughts, Katie. Is there something we didn't uh, we didn't throw in here? Yeah. So my final thoughts. Uh, I wanted to say that Tim and I co-own. Uh, I think it's for the last four years in the John Bosch Eliminators, and I had made that bet with Kyle Lapointe. Uh, he lives in Fort Worth, which is only an hour away from where I live. And I said, you know, if if we don't outlast you, then I'll cook dinner and whiskey at my house, uh, you know, big grill and chill. And I'm very sad to say that Tim and I were eliminated in the very first by a point no. and a half, less than a point and a half. And oh. it was on that last catch by A.J. Brown. The other guy had to come back in order 
to uh, go ahead of us. But uh, so I will say that uh, just to give you a little bit of highlights of who was on our team, um, we we did have Teddy and he was not a bridge over trouble waters. He was one of our highlights uh, along with Travis <laughs> Kelsey, but uh, we were not saved by the Le'Veon Bell and this one will be unfrenetable for the rest of our lives. We've got no defense uh, for this situation and uh, we kind of ran our Burke head into the wall um, so, so, uh, we're done and out of our own eliminator. So sad, but I've already set the date with Kyle and he's going to come over with his family to my, uh, Casa on, uh, October 25th, because I'm not drinking any alcohol for 10 weeks. I'm in the middle of week five of that. And so October 25th will be the day after my 10 weeks is up and it's the Cowboys are on at noon and we'll be watching the game on my patio, grilling and chilling. Uh, the pool will be open. He's got a nine-year-old daughter who's going to enjoy time in the pool. And uh, we'll throw down some whiskey and some great steaks. And I'm cooking for Kyle. Hey, and you get to do it earlier. That's because, right. Because uh, you get the clarity <laughs> of the bet. So there you go. There we go. Yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, that is sad, right? You do an eliminator, you do something like that, or guillotine, or whatever it is, and it's like, and if you're out week one, you're like, well, that was a quick year. Yep. <laughs> that, was, that was a quick league. I just, hey, Katie, good news. Tongue in cheek, it frees up all that time set in your lineup for that. Well, for that, league, that was so. a best ball format, so it didn't matter. I know. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's um, why I it was tongue in cheek. <laughs> you know, while you were talking, I almost forgot. Uh, we got to get in the got to get get the shout outs going for the UTH best ball contest this year. Uh, the first place team, we've got Andy Rizzo coming out of the gates hot with the top overall score out of week one. Some of his highlights, Josh Jacobs, that guy might be kind of good. Put up a 40-burger. Russell Wilson, he's kind of good. Uh, he has DeAndre Swift, uh, James Robinson, which I believe at that point, uh, James Robinson wasn't the starter, and yet he was a dollar in the contest. So I almost feel like it was a, a free space if anyone that didn't go James Robinson uh, kind of missed out there. Uh, and then uh, Jonathan, he's got Jonathan Taylor, Will Fuller, uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, Dallas Goddard. How big was he in week one? Um, Logan Thomas. I mean, he hit on a number of guys that you kind of look forward and say, there's a lot of positivity there. Didn't even need Hayden Hurst this week. Um, Jalen Reger almost had a second bomb. We didn't talk about him on the show, but uh, got behind the defense two or three times there uh, from, of Washington's. He's got Leonard Fournette on the bench, Daryl Williams. Uh, you know, he's got five starting NFL quarterbacks. So let's see how that goes with Haskins, Carr, Fitzpatrick on the bench from this past week. Um, do you have any quick thoughts as we close up on when how you, how you built your team this year? I went for uh, – I built four teams. I wanted to see <laughs> – for each of the bonus structures, I wanted to see which team that yeah. I thought would be the best. And the one that I ended up going with was the one player from every single NFL team and get one bonus player $10 or less. Yeah, you get a good – you get a good bo- – that was a good bonus because you get a – Top 40, 50 player overall if you do it that way. Right. So with 32 players, one from each team, I ended up as my bonus player taking Brandon Cooks to pair with. I already had Will Fuller. They were both $10 players. And what was the hardest team to get a, a player in there where you're like, oh, I'm doing this only for this? No, there really wasn't. Um, okay. That wasn't bad. The hard part was I had to jostle up my tight ends because it's 
start to tight end and tight end premium. I wanted to make sure my bye weeks were set and that I was deep enough at tight end uh, to, to go the distance. And so I think I ended up with eight tight ends. And uh, I think I've got a pretty good balance. I ended up with, I believe, four quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson. I feel confident. I am, I'm at 25 right now, but I think that it's the kind of team that can, uh, you know, move up the ranks and stay steady. I, I'm, I don't think that I'll put up a poo-poo week, but we'll see. And it'll be interesting to see. I, I've got an Excel spreadsheet with my other teams that I didn't submit. I may or may not just go ahead and add in the numbers to see did I choose the right team? Because the studs or duds where you had to have the four players at $25 or more, I didn't believe yeah. there was enough options at that $25 and higher threshold to make me want to. Yeah, you only had like 10 or ten or 12 players. Yeah, there weren't a lot to pick yeah. from. And I was going to go with the Kelsey and Kittle and then Lamar Jackson and, and um, uh, Patrick Mahomes as my four. But then oh. that really, really left oh, me. Yeah very thin. There's a lot of good running back and wide receiver options at a buck and a couple, you know, like James Robinson was a, was a joyful, I'll take him for a dollar. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so no, it was fun. It was fun to have the bonus players. Um, well, you actually suggested that. I don't know. You, you mentioned it like a week before or something. You said, you know, what because if you, of COVID, I, just to give people a chance to no, have I an know, extra, but few. did I, but, but did I actually – is was one of the bonus opportunities, was it actually something you suggested? Yeah, with the extra three players, that one. Oh, okay. But it wasn't exactly It wasn't exactly it was like the a, same, it but it was close. You know, yeah, you but thought I do, about I, it. I do think those, th- I do think those th- things are fun, though, um, to just, like, give people – a few people. I want to say maybe five to ten people went about – you know, a couple people. I want to see how it turns out, the people that went for – all players less than 10. Yep, and that the, was the that stick, was an interesting the, one too. The stick point for me was going to be I really wanted Will Fuller and he was 10. Like if Will Fuller was 9, I might have tried that one. Uh-huh. But there were some players, you know, that if you don't have any players that were 10 to 13, there were some really nice quality higher in depth. Yep. Yeah, so you'd have to say no to all of those guys and that was going to be a big deal for me. Right. And then and then you only get a dollar or two players. Like your bonus is a few of those guys and I was like, "Uh, I'm not willing to compromise my my. Uh, I just hope it doesn't turn into an S show. Like, I look at it already, and man, like my wide receivers. We'll see how it turns out. But like, I, I quote unquote spent up for McCole Hardman. If he stays so lo- like wide receiver four or five on that depth chart, oh god, like that's gonna hurt my soul yeah. in best ball. I thought I, he needs like three, four, five good best ball games. You would think, just uh, de facto. All right, uh, so that'll do it. Uh, kind of run along here from our intention, but it's a week that you can't possibly cover everything. Might be a three-hour show if you tried to, uh, but can't wait. Katie Flower, I kind of alluded to it. You can uh, you can uh, slide into her DMs. You can catch her on Twitter. Uh, great resource. You're going to be on. Uh, what are the shows you're on this week? You got a couple more. Yeah. Uh, Just so shoot, people can I don't find remember you. Remember the names uh, on the couch. The one with Kyle Lapointe. Uh, <laughs> that one's on Thursday. We're recording, and then okay. tonight with Bob. Um, it, he he i've been retweeting it and i will retweet it so if you're following me you'll see it okay right and then i well find her on yeah, twitter I did exactly a Debbie show, you'll see Debbie you'll see Delight. those over the next we day recorded it on saturday and that came out today i retweeted that earlier some uh review of the acc and talking about just uh college football which is so much fun 
Excellent. She is at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL and uh, support the show instead of ads by going to patreon.com slash UTH. You can find Tim Torch and I there. And we, I also do a trade cast as well as uh, the 10 big things. You know, I do that on Monday morning before I go to bed that uh, again, some of the bigger things and the, the takeaways here from a busy, busy Sunday as always in the NFL uh, and a number of other bonus things, including uh, tomorrow night, got a VIP chat, uh, a live strategy call with folks where we talk about some waiver wire trading etc um, so you can find all that at patreon.com slash so that'll do it until next time never settle refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties <laughs> <laughs>